Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Alric Purcell. This week we talk about the Academy Award nominated La La Land, another way for Alric to get Anthony Mackie in his film, and what the website Slated is actually good for. <laughs> but just remember, we're not experts. We're just two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. <laughs> uh, I felt like Entertainment Tonight or something. This week on Entertainment Tonight, we do the... That's pretty funny. I like it. Oh man, hilarious. So La La Land. La La you've been, Land. You've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Well, I had such a emotional <clears throat> experience watching that movie, and uh, you know, I have a lot to say about it, but then, you know, weeks have passed, and now I feel like, oh yeah, I remember what I thought about that. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, yeah, it's not going to be as passionate as if we recorded it the day after you saw it. Right, but you know, basically what, what I'll say is I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, Me too. You know, awesome. just like really well done, well made, and 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 you know, just an interesting movie. Um, <clears throat> you know, and a very classic movie in a lot of ways, which I like oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, there are a lot of things that I have like complaints about as a fan of musicals. Like, are, are you a musical fan? Have you watched a bunch of musicals? Like, I have. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call myself a fan about I I really liked Singing in the Rain and right. um I I liked I liked the John Carney musicals which are I would say more kind of real movies that have music in them. What are the Oh the John Carney right right yeah. Yeah, but this kind of like singing and dancing musical it's not like one of my favorite genres so I don't know a whole lot about it. Right. Um well, so do, you, I was actually do you watch like the s- old school ones like from like the 30s and 40s like you know with Fred Astaire and Gigi Rogers and and that level of musical? No. I haven't. So I'm a kind of fan of those from when I was a kid. My grandpa used to have a lot of those. So I'd watch them growing up and the Marx Brothers movies and like, you know, a lot of the old like 30s, 40s and 50s, like, you know, comedies, which like kind of all have music, you know, for the most part. And then like the musicals obviously are just musicals and have tons of music and singing and dancing and all that. Um, so like being a fan of that stuff, like you basically see a lot of that in La La Land. Um, and for the first half of the movie, you're like, oh my God, like they are making like a modern day musical, like, like it basically a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musical, but like now, and I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then, um, basically like there's a certain formula that most musicals follow and there's like a certain number of songs that you should have and a certain place where songs should fall. And, um, the observatory scene Basically, oh, full spoilers, by the way. We're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. (laughs) But uh, that scene should have had a song in it. And it just was a dance number and like kind of a very basic dance number because, you know, they're not dancers. Um, And I kind of felt like, you know, like to me, that was a point where I was like a little let down because it's like, why? Like in musicals, like you don't say how you feel or show how you feel. You sing how you feel. And they were doing that through the whole movie. And then they get to this really big part where they like fall in love or whatever. And then there's no song. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> where's, where's my goddamn song? Like, I need my, my love, like my falling in love song. And I was sort huh. of really, really, like as a musical fan, like really let down by that. And then from there on. Hold on, hold on. Stop right there. Because I just, I want to address that. Like, sure. I, I didn't feel uh, let down by that scene. I was like enamored by that scene. I loved the. I mean, it just swept me away and it was really emotional and like, it totally worked for me. So I didn't, I didn't feel like that scene needed music. 
well, uh, or okay. needed a, a song. So go on and then right, what, right. what else? And, and I mean, and, you know, I was telling Beth, because, you know, my wife, we watched it together. And, you know, I was like, well, yeah, but didn't you like, like, the whole, like, flying up or whatever? And she was like, yeah, but they just twirled around, like, twirling around. Like, what the hell is that? Like, you know, like, she's comparing it to, like, a chorus line or... Um, you know, like, uh, like even Chicago, like any of these other musicals that like have actual dancers in them, you know, that like, you know, actually can dance and sing and all that stuff. Um, and, and, and they're basically just actors who, who did a really good job. Like they did a really good job. That tap dancing scene in, in the park, you know, when like before that earlier on, that's awesome. Like I, I, you know, they're obviously not tap dancers, but they did a pretty damn good job doing some tap dancing. And I really liked that scene a lot. And that was one that really made me feel like it was one of the old musicals. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is just like right out of one of these, you know, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies. Like this is, this is fantastic. Right. And then, you know, to not commit to that fully later, it sort of felt like I was like getting built up and then like sort of, sort of let down with like, you know, kind of not the whole rest of the movie, but <clears throat> a lot of the big moments in the movie, like felt very much like, you know, more about the visual flair and the cinematics of it all than the actual physical singing and dancing, which makes sense because like, if you have actors who are not singers and dancers, of course, you're not going to rely on their ability to sing and dance. If you know, you can, you know, do some really cool visual stuff like, you know, with uh, cameras and, you know, visual effects and backgrounds and all that stuff and, and just concepting, you know, which is what they did. And I thought they did it really well. But, you know, I just kind of wanted more of a full more commitment to the musical. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, then you watch the whole movie and you realize, well, it's not actually a full musical. It's really a half musical. So right. then- I, the way the way that I saw the movie was it's um, it's a dramatic like it, to me, it's a little like swingers or even like a Quentin Tarantino movie where they're telling a story through the lens of the Hollywood musical and they're using the language of it. But it's not a strict Hollywood musical right. I think it's like people that it's because it's about pining for the for the past and and right. um, there's a lot of nostalgia in it so I, I didn't hold it up to needing that specific structure to work to me it was just kind of like pulling some of those ideas into it to speak to the theme of the movie and so right. to me it, it completely worked and I loved I loved the tone of it and the the sequences I liked the least were the first ones I love right. the I love this the opening sequence. I think that really sets the stage for the entire movie. But like the scene in uh, in her apartment where they're getting ready to go out. Well, you didn't like think, that. That's awesome. I, that that was my least favorite <laughs> what? scene. Yeah. What? And also what? her at her at the party and all the people <laughs> jumping into the pool. That also was my least favorite scene. What? I think I I liked the the uh, the later scenes where it was. Um, so you, you know, just less... wanted a drama. You didn't want a musical. <laughs> I no, I think I liked that um, the musical at times was understated rather than this big elaborate number with like a chorus line of dancers. I like that that there's these really intimate moments, like that scene of them uh, walking back to their cars and then tap dancing is just it's amazing. Like that, yeah, that's that was like great. that's that was really good. That's like and the I, best scene I, in the movie to me. Yeah. Um, and then I like how he did sort of like the John Carney thing where the music was part of the story rather than 
being like a break from reality. Right. Um, those things work really well for me. Which is which is know. like what the old school musicals do too, which I think is so brilliant, you know, is that a lot of it is interwoven into the story. Not not as so much with the modern day ones, like, you know, Chicago and um, even a chorus line, like those musical numbers are kind of like, they're just musical numbers, you know? Um, some of them aren't, but most of them are. Um, but yeah, that's what I really liked about it was that it was that old school style of just like, you know, people just breaking into song and dance, like at the drop of the hat and then the whole production coming along with it, you know? Um, the, just to, to continue, like sec- the second half of the movie, I still enjoyed. And I mean, there were some great numbers in the second half too. Like they when they were singing together in the apartment was really cool. And then they both had their own individuals numbers, which were pretty good too. Um, <clears throat> I thought hers was way better than his. No offense to Ryan Gosling, but I mean, I think she just nailed her solo song, like super badass when she's like in the audition or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was so cool. Uh, but, uh, and I mean, I cried at the end. I mean, Jesus, I, you know, it was super <laughs> emotional. Like I, yeah. I didn't, not only did I cry at the end, I cried probably like twice in the middle too. <laughs> I think I like that, that dancing scene when they were like, you know, going to their car. Like I definitely had a tear to my eye cause I was just so happy. It's like, Oh my God, this, this is like, I was a kid again yeah. watching one of these old musicals. Like I just felt like, you know, so that's why when, you know, they didn't really do follow that structure through the end. I kind of, felt let down because i felt like gotcha. i was watching one of these old school musicals yeah. and then all of a sudden you know whatever it fell apart and then at, after walking away from it um i kind of felt like well you know there are a lot of actors these days who can like act sing and dance properly you know like they do exist like why couldn't you just cast your movie with people who who could do that so they could be part of the first dance number because that because that dance number in the beginning was like the most impressive and like you know you know they had some really great dancing in it but you know you notice the stars aren't in that scene and it's because they they couldn't do that right they just don't have the the physical ability to to do the the dancing that the other dancers did um so i was just kind of like well i mean i understand like they probably he probably got a list of actors that he could make the movie with um you know with the budget he wanted and then he just picked his two favorite on the on this list i imagine right and that like none of them were singers or dancers so you can't really fault him for that too much, but I just kind of wish like this day and age when there's so many talented people out there, you know, like, it's not like we don't have singers and dancers and actors like they do. They, they are there. So why don't you just go for that? But I don't know. I mean, given all that, I still thought it was great. I just had some, some major issues and desires and hopes for it. And I really hope that like some filmmaker sees this movie and then goes out and like actually makes the full musical modern day musical style, like falls in this, this exact formula, but then actually completes it and like nails all these things that I wish this one had nailed fully, you know? Yeah. Well, there you go. Cool. Well, I have nothing bad to say about it. I loved it. Well, yeah. Five stars. I actually gave it four and a half on the first watch watch because I thought the first 20 minutes weren't that strong. And then on the second watch, I just saw how all the decisions that were made is like, you know what? This is a perfect movie. The first 20 minutes are great. I loved it. I think the first half's way stronger than the second half, in my opinion. Interesting. You know, that's funny. Um, so let's move on. All right. So what should we talk about now? <laughs> well, I just wanted to quickly talk about, you know, this beginning of the year and I was looking back at 2016 and kind of seeing like what I had spent on my filmmaking. And even though I didn't produce anything last year, I still spent money and I lost money um, as a filmmaker. And so I just wanted to like share that and just say like I spent $4,444 last year 
I had an income of a hundred and eleven dollars, so you know, <laughs> I've lost like four thousand. A hundred eleven dollars? Would you? How'd you make that on your movies? On uh, selling Spirit Machine through Generous. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I I can tell you right now, my filmmaking income is zero for last year. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much I spent yet cause I haven't gone over it, but I know it's probably at least $5,000 or $4,000 oh, for the various, yeah. various things. And I was like freaking out earlier this week because I'd, I'd, um, I paid one vendor $4,000 to finish the spirit machine visual effects. And I was, I thought that I had to issue a 1099 miscellaneous so that way I could deduct them from my taxes um, and then I realized that they're a corporation. And so I, I escaped that, but yeah, like that, I always forget those 1099 things. Like every year it becomes like this last minute scramble. I, I need to get really good at just ordering some from the IRS. So I have them at home. I, I only have like six this year. Um, so it's, uh, I didn't do a lot of crew hiring last year. Um, which hopefully this year will be, will be way more cause I'll be doing bigger, better, cooler jobs. Well, I got money that I have to spend already this year. Like I'm already in the black. Like I have two offers to distribute my movies in like in January. So I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm not going to say anything yet until I sign the agreements because oh, okay. like I'm scared that if I talk about it now that they'll just go away. Right, right. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you more. I wanted to hear more of the details about that, but yeah, we'll we'll save it for later. But it's exciting. I mean, congratulations. Like, you know, um I've never gotten any money for any of the short films I've ever made. So I think getting any money back is pretty impressive, you know? Yeah. So I feel good. Yeah. You should feel great. Not even It'll good. The other good news is spirit machine was accepted into the Boston sci-fi film festival. Congratulations. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Like, although the downside is I was rejected from Sundance. Oh, Oh really? You were rejected <laughs> yeah. from Sundance? Oh wait, you're not, you're not going to headline the festival. Yeah. No, oh, okay. I, not. I got rejected from Cinequest. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's actually really kind of that that's one. a little bit more surprising because yeah, you know I, f- I figured you might be have a good shot for that one. So here are all the festivals that I have heard knows from, just so we can just list them out. Uh, sure, Villainous International Short Film Festival, um, Berta Ted, Fake Flesh, Goa Shots, uh, 2017 Science Fiction and Fantasy Short Film Festival, Cineline, Brussels International Film Festival, Land Shut Short Film Festival. BUFF International Children and Young People's Film Festival and the International Chil- Children's Film Festival Bangladesh 2017 in addition to Sundance and Cinequest. Wow. Wow. I've heard of a couple of those but but not most of them. Some of them um, are really random, aren't they? But yeah. So we'll see where it ends up. I still it's still out to like 20 something festivals and I'm I'm hoping that the Boston Sci-Fi is just just the beginning. Well, fun tidbit, um, when I uh, submitted Strange Thing to 20 to 30 film festivals, um, I got rejected from everybody, including Sundance, and then uh, the first <laughs> one I got into was the Boston International Science Fiction oh, Film funny. Festival. Because well, their festival's in February, so it's right. like, kind of like right on the tail of this first few of the season. Right, and then uh, right after that, I got into the next one, and then I got into the next one, so I was got into three by like early March or so. And I was like, okay, well, three, that's good. I, I'm happy with three. And then from there, it just started to kind of roll in. And then I submitted to like 50 more or something or 40 more in um, like the May time period, like April, May. 
And then I started to, you know, hear back from those too. So basically Boston was like the start of my run. And then like, I think like a year after that, I ended it in, um, you know, the Idlewild Film Festival in, um, you know, the Idlewild Mountains near LA in uh, January, the following mm-hmm. year. So, so yeah, hopefully you have just as successful as a run as Strange Thing did with like, you know, whatever, with this being your first one. Yeah, do you think I should go to the Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival? I would go. I went when I when I got in. It was my world premiere, and uh, I had a great time. Um, <clears throat> I will I will say like uh, so it's at this uh, well I don't know where it is this year, but when we I went it was at the Somerville Theater, which is like kind of a famous theater in Somerville, um, which is like a, a little small town in the outskirts of Boston, or like you know it's a pretty cool place, like lots of food, lots of bars, like ni- nice area. Um, but my movie played in like the, this basement theater that like had about 50 seats and like, they have a big, like, you know, Castro sized theater, with, like a hundred seats, a hundred seats, like 400 seats or 500 seats or something, but it didn't play there. And then, uh, when I left, I noticed that, um, there were some movies that were playing in that big theater. So like, it just sort of depends on like what's where you get blocked and where you get scheduled and, and whatnot. Um, but there's two other theaters that are like more like just normal sized theaters. And, uh, I saw a couple movies in there and, uh, they, they had really good turnouts. But I mean, the, the point was, is that, um, that little theater when, uh, it was completely packed, like for my screening, like the all 50 seats were taken and then people were sitting on the floors and sitting around and like standing in the hallway in the, in the aisle or whatever. So, I mean, it was like a packed 50 seat, which was pretty cool. Cause like the fans come out and then like the other movies that I saw in the big screening, big, bigger theaters, like a couple of them were completely sold out. So, um, wow. yeah, people, people show up, people show up and they they have a hardcore fan base. Cause like that, that, uh, film festival has been going on for like 40 years or something. And there's some people who go who have gone to every single year for oh, the last wow. 40 years. So like you get some hardcore ass people and in the Q and A's, they do not censor themselves. Like if they didn't like something, they will tell the director <laughs> directly how they feel. And wow. I think that's really, really good as a, as a filmmaker to like have that like straight on, you know, like attack on your movie in public and like being able to defend it or just deal with that, I think is a really good lesson to learn. I watched this young filmmaker basically take that head on, uh, when, when like defending his first feature, uh, to this, this crazy old audience. And I was like, man, that's, that's crazy, but that's awesome. And it, you yeah. know, how so, did he do? Did he, did he survive? Yeah, no, he did a good job. Like he actually answered it. He, he was like, it was like the perfect response. It was like super like humble and like, yeah, well, this is what I was trying to do. And, you know, sorry you feel that way, but I'm, I'm glad you, you watched the movie and, and, you know, thanks for your question or your comment or whatever. It was like the most perfect response ever. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, this guy's a genius. Amazing. <laughs> um, so congratulations. I hope you go and please let us know if you do go. Cause, uh, it, it was, I had a really good time and I was super nervous. It was like my first film festival ever that my movie played in. And uh, I was like, you know, in a place I'd never, never been to before. I like, you know, I've been to Boston once, but like never to that place. And, yeah, it was it was fun. But uh Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you know. I'm I'm waiting for the schedule to be released so I know which day it's on. <laughs> nice, nice. Well let's talk about um this idea that Mark Madrigal had for getting Anthony Mackey in your movie. <laughs> sure. So I don't know where this idea came from, but he sent me an email and he was like, Yeah, man, like you should like uh start a Facebook page that says uh Anthony Mackey for the lead role in the alternate or something. 
and like do a whole campaign to try to get Anthony Mackie into your movie. So basically, like create the Facebook page, um, you know, sort of outline what what you want him to to do, like what what like what the movie is, what role you want him to play, and why you think he's going to be the best person for the role. And then um, get people to like it, get, get people to share it, get it in front of the Anthony Mackie like um, fan pages, you know, like get those people um, aware of it, interested in it. And then just try to get people to, to, to share it and post it and like tell news articles about it and just try to get it out into the world and see if his people will see it and see if he'll eventually see it and then see if you can maybe create some awareness. And like, if nothing else, it'll be like a crazy stunt that yeah. maybe you will get some attention, but you know, maybe you might be able to get him interested in it by doing that way. You know, by I doing think it that. could work. Yeah. Potentially. I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like I want to at least approach his manager first and at least, at least try to go through the, the actual routes. And then if I don't ever hear back, if they don't, you know, don't respond to me or they don't, um, you know, if I don't hear anything, then I'll do this crazy thing, you know? So I at least want to try doing that first. And then if it doesn't work, then uh, I can go, uh, you know, go all rogue and go all crazy with it. Yeah. I don't know if there was a campaign for this, but I remember there was some movement behind Donald Glover playing Spider-Man oh, at yeah, some point. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know if there's like an official fan page, but a bunch of yeah fans like rallied around that. And I think he might have even gotten an offer to do it, but he turned it down. Oh, there's um, no way he got an offer to do it. Because if he would have gotten an offer to do it, he would be Spider-Man. You think so? Oh, absolutely, man. No way. I mean, oh. <clears throat> yeah. I thought, I thought for sure that there was like it actually worked and that they made him an offer and he said no because he was doing other stuff. Man, if Donald Glover turned down Spider-Man, I'd slap that guy. I mean, <laughs> he would have been. it would have been more so much more interesting if he would have been Spider-Man than, uh, you know, I mean, this other guy who's doing it is doing a good job, but like... You know, like, I think we're ready for, like, a non-white Spider-Man. I mean, you know, everyone wanted... Because, like, there's a there's a version of Spider-Man. It's, like, the, the successor to Peter Parker is this guy, Miles Morales, who's, like, a, you know, a Mexican uh, kid or something. Um, I don't really read the, the comic books, but that was a big push. Like, everybody wanted that to be the new, the new Spider-Man and, like, not have Peter Parker be in it, and then that didn't work out. Um... But I don't know. I think that would have been interesting. And then the other story this reminds me of is my coworker like 10 years ago did uh, a page to win a date with Lady Sovereign, who is this rapper that seemed like she might might break big in the United States, but it never really happened. But he was trying to raise $10,000 to go on a date with her. And I think that's I think the story was he had gotten an email from her or maybe something over social media saying, if you can raise the $10,000, I will go on a date with you. So he already had like kind of that letter of intent, if you will. And so he just had to like make the website and encourage people to to chip in and give money. And did it end up working? It did work. Yeah. Like he raised his money and he went on this date and he shot it all and like released a video online and it got a ton of press around it. But then what happened? Nothing. He just did it. And then he tried to do like another, like an, a, fo- a follow-up stunt like that, that just didn't work out. And so as far as I know, he stopped there and he hasn't done anything else. What was his goal with that? Like, was it to like become a, get a reality show or something? Or like, what was he trying to do? I think, I don't know, cause I'm not friends with him, but if I had to guess, like just knowing who he is f- from the outside, 
I think he was trying to build a, an image for himself, kind of like a brand, so that way he could keep doing stuff like this. Like, I think his idea huh. probably at that time was, I'm going to keep doing these kind of internet stunts, and maybe it could it could turn into a job. Where like it's almost like um, Morgan Spurlock, like supersize me. Like if Morgan oh, Spurlock, yeah. you know, always had like like he started with this kind of stunt of like testing himself with McDonald's, and then the next time he's going to test himself with something else. And so like he has this brand of like just being this guy that does crazy stunts online. But like yeah, Morgan Spurlock is at least a documentary filmmaker, so he's like doing these stunts, but like you know, making documentaries that get released and put out into the world. But like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you do? You make a movie, like a short film, out of this stunt? Is that what he did? No, and like, I think he'd just be kind of like an internet celebrity, huh? And I think yeah. he probably just did it too early. You know, ten years ago there wasn't things like Kickstarter. Internet celebrity, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I guess like a YouTube influencer, maybe that's what he was trying to be, like some sort of. It probably like would have been, YouTuber. yeah, because probably yeah, he would have had a YouTube channel with a bunch of videos and like shows shows late his date with Lady Sovereign and done other stunts and you know there'd just be like a whole bunch of stunts that he releases and people don't see it i guess i guess i don't know i don't know how you make money on that kind of stuff yeah interesting because like for me like my thing is like i have a a a clear goal like i want you to start i want this actor to star in my movie you know like that you know going on a date with somebody it's like so what like you went on a date with them why why is that worth ten thousand dollars you know (laughs) like so you could have fun with this rapper like that just doesn't make any sense yeah, like I don't think he had any intention of like falling in love with her or getting married or anything. I think he really just wanted to meet her, and it was just like a, a stunt to do that. And I and in the back of his head, I think he thought it would bring exposure to him as a personality as well. How how weird must have that date been? You know, to be like, hey, yeah, I spent ten thousand dollars on uh, on this. How's it going? Oh, let's, well, let's yeah, get a like shot they, together. Like, what they the like fuck? rented a boat on the bay and like he bought a bunch of champagne and they had like a DJ and yeah, they just like hung out and just like did a bunch of crazy stuff with the money. Yeah, it's weird. It seemed to me it's a very advertising idea. It's like something a brand would do to like oh, yeah. raise awareness of the brand, to like get a bunch of media impressions. Mm. Like it's, it's almost like it could have been sponsored by like bud light or something you know huh yeah it's a bud light stunt like check out this guy who's trying to win a date with lady sovereign right right i guess if lady sovereign was like lady gaga then uh maybe that would you know it would have been something different you know or if she had like was lady gaga like at the start of her career before she had got her fame and then like that was something that you did and then she became famous or was successful at the same time then maybe it would have turned into something but you know yeah it doesn't sound like it worked out that way yeah, no. But I think the point is he got a ton of press off of it and and a lot of publications did pick it up because the story of him trying to win the date was interesting. You know, whether or not he was going to even succeed was beside the point. I think they just right. wanted to like hear that story. So I think if you do something, you get enough momentum behind it. People are going to want to talk to you, even if they think that you might fail at it. Right, right, right. Well, let's move on from this. Um, I want to talk about something that's, uh, that I've been thinking about a lot lately and is proving true right now. Um, basically, it's all about enthusiasm and excitement over your ideas. And uh, over the weekend, I had a really good meeting with a producer friend of mine who, you know, kind of gave me a lot of validation on what I was doing, a lot of good tips on on how to move forward and kind of helped me rework my budget. And she just was like mentored the shit out of me, basically. And um, and then I walked away from there feeling like I can do anything, like I can conquer the world. 
And I've just had this like in crazy enthusiasm, you know, since this meeting, like I can just do anything. And like, I, I feel like I am going to make this movie now. Like this movie is going to get made. And it's not like anything has changed. Like nothing has really changed by that meeting. Like nothing really, anything happened. Like I didn't get anything. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I'm in the exact same position I was before that meeting, but I just, now I just feel like I can do it. And it's, it's so crazy that like your, your excitement and your enthusiasm over your project can really have such a huge role in playing in, in like th- in you thinking if you can get it done. And then I think in actually doing things like since then I've, I've, uh, you know, redone half my pitch book, you know, which like, like I basically I had been working on for months and like not doing anything with it. Cause I was just like, whatever, just staring at it. And like, now I've actually made like some real, like some real headway on it, you know, in the last few, like few days. So I don't know, like, I, it's just really interesting to me about like how that's such a powerful force. And I wanted to hear your take on it. Like, like, do you feel the same way? Do you, do you get really excited about your projects and like get a bunch of work done or? Yeah. When, when I'm excited, like that's, that's when the mo- the best work gets done. Cause, and I think I told you this at like last week when I was like sending you a bunch of ideas about how to get Anthony Mackie and you're getting all excited and you're like, Oh man, I'm like on top of the world right now with my film. And it's like, dude, <laughs> strike while the iron's hot because that feeling will fade. It's like really hard to maintain it. Right. Um, and so while you're feeling it, you just got to like do everything you can. Cause that's when you're going to be the most productive because at some point the the doubt will start creeping creeping in, right? Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it is like it's a mental thing, right? Like how, I think part of the trick of being a filmmaker because making a movie is so tough. There's like so many obstacles. Is you have to delude yourself into believing you can pull it off, and like and and I think for me, what gets me really excited is when somebody else can see it. You know, like when a bunch of people are standing in your way and telling you no, 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 and you start believing that maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe this movie isn't worth making. And then, like when somebody says, "You know what? That this is going to be really cool," you like it. It kind of pumps you up. Right. Exactly. I mean, it. You know, kind of goes to like, like yeah, like validation in any form is probably is helpful. Yeah, validation. Uh huh. Um. Like if someone reads your script and, and they're like, you know, they have notes, but they're like, yeah, I really like this idea. I really like this concept. Or you, you see them get excited about, about the, the idea in general or, or some element of the script, but like maybe they have notes on other things. Like it's good to just, you know, that's like, just take that and be like, well, maybe not everything's working, but like the core idea is working or this element is working really well. So I, you know, you have something there. So you gotta, gotta, then that gives you the validation to put, keep on working on it and push it forward and, and not give up on it, you know? Yeah. Um, because if everyone's saying like, no, nah, I don't know about this or, you know, there's no <laughs> positive, like there's no real positive, um, like comments on the actual idea or story itself. If like the positives you're hearing are about like, oh, I really think this, this character is funny or this part is funny, but like, I don't really understand what the story is, is means or whatever. Then maybe you need to rethink, like rethink those things, you know? Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you really listen to what the feedback you get is, and then use that to decide whether or not you want to keep on working on it or, or how you want to change what you're working on, you know? Um, but like the, the feedback I've getting beginning on the alternate is mostly like the idea itself, like everyone loves, like the concept is like, you know, people think is really interesting. It's just like, 
you know, some of the decisions with the characters and, and then the ending people aren't so excited about in, in, <laughs> in general. But, you know, so I'm basically going to take the notes on the character and, and sort of work on improving those areas. Um, but like, you know, some areas you have to stick with your guns and like the ending, I think, you know, enough people have responded positively to it that I'm going to stick with it. I think, yeah, you know, and I know it's not traditional and it's not like the ending that most like, like the Hollywood style, like, you know, that's not the Hollywood style ending that people want necessarily. So, but I, I think that's okay. Like it doesn't need to be right. Um, I'm not going to agree with you. I'm just going to say, uh-huh. I know, because you have your own <laughs> thoughts. I don't um, want to get back into this. Yeah, we already talked about this a lot. <laughs> um, but um, what I wanted to talk about was, like, when you were younger, like, for, well, for me, when I was younger, like, this whole, like, mental block, I don't think it really existed as much. Like, because I think you just, you know less when you're you're younger, so you can just go out and do things. Like, when I made my first movies, like, I just went out and tried shit just because, like, why not? Like, I want to make this movie. I'll just do it. And then like, when you get older, everything, you know, you know more. So like you, you have more reasons why something won't work. And then you're more hesitant. I mean, do you feel the same way or? Yeah. It's like when you first start making a movie, I think part of the fun is just making a movie and you're not really thinking too hard about like what you're making. You're just excited to be making something. And then after you have kind of like a body of work, then you're trying to reach for the next thing. So it's like, I don't want to just make the same movie and over and over and over again. I've already done that movie. So I, I feel like um, my enthusiasm narrows a little bit because now I'm like, it's just being really pointed towards like a very specific direction rather than just this big kind of broad thing of like, I just want to make a movie. If right. That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think though you probably felt when you're making that movie when you're younger that you did, that you were really excited about the idea that like you did think oh, the yeah. idea was really yeah, great. Yeah. Definitely. But like you didn't really know. You didn't have anything to, there's no point of comparison. So you just think that like that's the most brilliant thing ever. And then, um, on the next movie, if you, let's say, okay. So, you, the first thing that you make is totally fresh and new because nothing has existed in your lifetime that's come from you. But then on the next movie, you already have one point of comparison. So let's say um, my first movie is Man's Best Friend, and then I write a script for my second movie and it has a dog in it. I'm going to be like, well, I already did a dog movie. Like, do I want to do another dog movie? Like, is do are dog movies my thing? Whereas like the first movie, I don't even have to think about that. I'm just like, oh, I really like the script and I want to do it. But then like, as you start building a body of work, I think you start comparing all the things that you've made. And you, I think it creates some self-doubt too if, you, if people didn't really love some of the choices you made. So then you're like, well, you know, like, is this the right decision to make? I don't, I don't know. It's just I feel like the more experience you have, like the, the more doubt that you, you can create for yourself. And so it's harder to like, create that delusion of like the greatness that you're going to make something amazing. Right. Yeah. Cause when you're younger, you think anything like you, whatever idea you're working on, your first idea, you think it's going to be so great, you know, like, and you're convinced that's going to be genius. And I, I remember feeling that way about this short film I made with a friend in, in high school and like we were seniors and we like showed it at the, you know, the school film festival. There's probably like 40, 50 people there. And we were like, we're going to blow minds, man. Like we're going to fucking blow people's minds and then there was like almost no reaction and my, and my mom like didn't like it at, like it at all or understand it and i was like what 
Like, the people don't think this is genius? Like, what the fuck? And then we basically just walked away from that movie just thinking that we sucked as filmmakers and then didn't really make anything for a while. <laughs> we just sort of like, oh, God, that was terrible. Uh, we must not know anything about what we're doing, you know? Um, but I still watch that movie and I feel like, ah, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I want, I want to hear about this, uh, this Jay Duplass tweet that you got. And I kind of want to hear the whole story of how that happened. So like back in December when we were talking about, um, pitching, Jamie Sims had tweeted at us, uh, filmmakers should check out the latest couple of episodes of MMIH podcast, essential listening for pitching and also for distribution. And then Chris Colnane jumped in on top of that and said to Jamie and us, very eye-opening to say the least. And then I jumped in on that and I said, the math is scary. How the hell are we supposed to succeed if this is what we're up against? And then Jamie wrote back to all of us and put J. Duplass on it and said, what would J. Duplass do? Hashtag WWJDD. And then J. Duplass responded to all of us and said, make great shit guys repeatedly and no one can deny you the obstacle is not on the outside hmm that's awesome so, so like you, the obstacle yeah. on the, the obstacle is not on the outside like this doesn't really pertain exactly to what you're talking about but it kind of just reminded me of it just like this idea of a lot of it's in your own head that i think that at a certain point you can convince yourself that um, the obstacles are the gatekeepers or, you know, the people with, with money or the people with the actors or, you know, whatever it is that you think is holding you back from actually getting your film made. But if you look at the Duplass brothers, they didn't wait for any of that stuff. They didn't wait for permission. They just like went out and shot their own shit. And I think his advice is like, just make stuff. And if you keep making really, really good stuff, then no one's going to tell you no, because right. you're making good stuff. And so it's like that model of just like do-it-yourself filmmaking is something that I'm now aspiring to. It's like you just go and you grab a camera with your brother and you shoot a little short film. You go and you grab a camera with a few of your friends and you shoot a feature film. You go and you grab a camera. You keep doing it over and over again and figuring out ways to, to make it happen. And those guys did enough really great stuff that now they're in a position where they're making tons of stuff. And like that's so inspiring. And I know it's it's easy for them to say just make great stuff. I know it's not it's not easy to make great stuff, but I think the point is if you can make great stuff, no matter what the budget is, no matter how you do it, it can lead to somewhere. And you don't have to have a million dollars, you know? You don't have to be in the studio system. You can do it wherever you are. Just to be devil's advocate here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, do. um, you know, one of the things that J J Duplass and Mark Duplass had going for them was that Mark Duplass happened to be a really good actor. Um, and uh, I feel See? like... See, there you go. Already making obstacles, man. I, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. But that's what the, I think that's what, a lot of, a lot of, that's what a lot of people would say, is that, you know, you need to have your, your Mark Duplass, or like, if you're talking about Sam Raimi, you need to have your Bruce Campbell, you know? Like, you need to have the guy who's like so charismatic and and just really great on camera who can like help sell your ideas, you know? And I mean, that's an argument that, that Isaac, my friend Isaac, who's on the podcast that, that we've made together in the past is that we, we, we just don't have our Bruce Campbell. We don't have our, 
you know, um, you know, our Mark Duplass, right? Like we don't have the actor to put in all in the movies to make them really great, you know. But um, then my argument against that is, well, what about El Mariachi? Like all those actors were terrible. So I think right. Robert Rodriguez played into that, and so it's like if the obstacle is you're not, you can't, you don't have a good actor, then write a movie where you don't need good acting. Right, exactly, and I think that's so, that's that's obviously what Isaac was attempting to do, you know. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, I mean, it worked. I think you 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 know, you can either say it did work out or it didn't work out. I mean, you know, the movie itself is is what it is. Obviously, it didn't get El Mariachi fame, but you know, whatever. Anyways, no movie's uh, gonna get El Mariachi fame. Like that, right. that story's done. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I think. I like that. Like when I, when I first read that tweet, I don't know if I texted you, you or mad at it. I was, yeah, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Obstacle is not <laughs> like not on the outside. What? How? I mean, yeah, obviously it is like there are obviously obstacles on the outside stopping us, but I think I, I like the sentiment of the statement. And then after like, you know, thinking about it more and, you know, being a little bit separated from it, it's like, yeah, I mean, he's just saying, go out and make your, make your movies, you know, go yeah, out and right. just shoot it or, you know, just make your movie, whatever, you know, just do it. So right. I, don't I think- wait for permission and don't, and, and don't create obstacles that prevent you from pursuing it. Cause there's so many things that you can say to, to not shoot your movie. And you, you've even said this too. It's like, you can spend your time trying to perfect a script before you ever shoot a movie. And you can talk yourself right out of shooting a movie because you're like, Oh, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Right. Yeah, I think you just need to go out and make it at some point. You just need to do it. And I think that's sort of where I'm at with the alternate is I just I just need to make it, you know. And um yeah, let not let the obstacle be be myself and just be self-doubt. do it. Self-doubt. Yeah. Exactly. Because... Self-doubt or mm-hmm. you know, waiting for the right thing or waiting for the right actor even, you know, like I think yeah. I'm going to have to approach all these people, but I think at some point, you know, if I'm not getting um getting what I want back from them, I'm just going to have to make it with somebody who, you know, um, maybe isn't famous at all or, you know, could could be my buddy David O'Donnell, who I think is a fantastic actor who no one's heard of, you know? So Yeah. And maybe... just to bring it back to Steven Spielberg, when the shark doesn't work, figure out another way to shoot it. Right, exactly. You can't, you can't just uh, hope the sh- – you know, if you can't just – yeah, you got to make it happen, basically. Yeah, you got to make it happen. The shark sometimes isn't going to work. Yeah. And just look at how brilliant that movie turned out because the shark didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is going to sound lame, but I'm, I'm tired. Um, I think we should just, uh, skip this last topic and, uh, and we have a shorter episode this week just cause I, I need to lay down, I think, or just, you know, stop talking. <laughs> okay. Um, All right, dude. Well, take care of yourself. Why don't you take us out then? Sure. Well, do you want to do, let's do share corner. Oh yeah, I have iTunes reviews. Yeah, so this is going to come out probably before the Just Shoot It uh, crossover episode, but I'm just going to say anyways, like I was thinking all day about like the thing I was going to share because like I had this thing that I've been been watching lately and I was like, oh, this will be a really good one and different, Um, but I totally forgot it on the spot and I remember it now. So it's a a YouTube channel for this guy, Lawrence Kinshin. And, uh, he does, uh, Muay Thai, uh, breakdown videos, basically. Oh, cool. So it's usually like, um, not just two Muay Thai fighters fighting, but it's like 
a Muay Thai fighter who's fighting like a Taekwondo uh, fighter or like a Muay Thai fighter who's fighting like, you know, a K1 kickboxer. So it's always like, you know, uh, different interesting matchups. And then he breaks down like why one technique, like what one person's doing in one technique or, or discipline versus what the other person's doing in the other discipline. And they kind of go into the rules and like why this worked and why this didn't work and how they threw the, throw this move or through use this move or like what kind of fighter they are. And, uh, you know, I think for someone who doesn't even do, <clears throat> to, who doesn't practice Muay Thai or boxing or anything, I think, you know, they'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it because Beth isn't into that stuff too much, but we watch them together and she's like super into them and like finds them super fascinating. And I mean, it's just super physically impressive too, like the things that these guys do and, and women too. There's some women on there. So, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll put the links in the show notes for it and I'll, uh, I'll pick my favorite video and, and that's the one I'll, I'll showcase just so you can really see like how badass these fights are. Nice. We have a, a few new iTunes reviews I wanted to read. Um, the first is from JC7792, and it says, I love these guys are open and honest. They even ask the tough questions. Big fan of the Griffin Hammond episode. Thumbs up. Five stars. Nice. Awesome. And then McLovin48 says, I'm an indie filmmaker, a.k.a. a talentless hack who have seen way too many foreign art films. And I must say, this podcast is essential, not just for me, but most indie filmmakers. The two hosts are very honest and hilarious. They offer their opinions, share their experiences, good and bad, this is key, and are actually really talented. Check out their work, please. Whether you're working out, going on a nice long drive, or need to make it through work, this podcast will never do you wrong. Wow. So those are two awesome reviews and... Coming off the tail end of uh, the episode we recorded last night, I kind of needed to hear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that does feel nice. I mean, I also do feel like, uh, who, who am I to even have a podcast? I mean, I kind of felt like that the whole time, you know, that we've been doing this. Like, why is my opinion more valid than anyone else's? And I think in in some ways it's not, but that's also kind of the point, is that, like, we're just two examples of, of people making movies in our own ways, and... uh we're not any more special than any other filmmaker, right? Like there's no. nothing about us that makes us different or, or you, or, or unique or whatever. You know, we're just doing it. And I think that's the point is that you just go out and do it. Just make your movies. And, and these are the struggles that we face. And, uh, these are how, this is how we're trying to overcome them, you know? Um, and, uh, we like to hear back, like, are, you know, does that work for you? Is there other ways that you've, you've, you know, gone around? certain issues or gone about making a movie like we love to hear these stories so mm-hmm. you know itunes reviews are great but also just keep on sending us emails and you know talking to us on twitter and facebook and stuff and like let us know like <clears throat> what are you guys doing like what are you guys uh how are you guys making your movies like we want to hear you know yeah because i think the important thing is for all stories of people making movies from different backgrounds and in different places because there's tons of stories out there of the people doing it the traditional way or like winning huge film festivals and stuff so like i would also just be careful of like thinking anybody is an expert because i think everyone's really trying to figure it out and right and and every experience kind of leads you to believe something works 
but it's not going to work for everyone. So I think the more perspectives we have on filmmaking, the better. So if you're compelled every week to like talk to us in some way, or you feel like you have so much to say, like just start your own podcast. Like, why not? Why? I think there should be a ton of podcasts out there from different people and different walks of life. And it'd be fun to hear like how everyone's getting their movies made. Like that's the why we're, we still seek out in independent filmmaker and podcasts because it's fun for us even to hear how people are doing it. So yeah. I and mean, another thing I want to say too was like, you know, not everyone's going to start their own podcast because you know, it's a lot of work to do a podcast obviously, <laughs> but yeah. um, I, what I want to do more of is we had Alex Kellerman on the show um, a few episodes ago where he right. just like popped in for like, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. And just, you know, we just talked about a small topic with him. So I want to do that with more people. So if you have like something you want to talk about, like some small thing, uh, you know, let us know what it is. And like, maybe we'll have you on the show for, for 10 minutes and we just discuss a topic together. Um, yeah. I think that'd be really just, fun. Totally. I love that idea. Yeah. Just send us an email or a tweet and just be like, Hey guys, can I come on the show and talk about, and then insert the blank? Like what, what's on your mind? Like, what do you want to address? If it's something we've talked about or something that's just on your mind, like we would love, we would love that. I want to do more of those Alex Kellerman pop-ins, yeah. not with just Alex, but with other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, not, Alex can come back too. <laughs> Alex, but yeah, Alex, you're more than welcome back, but let's not have you on every single right, time. Right, let's get somebody different next time. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. But anyways, thanks for listening, guys. And, uh, you know, if you want to check out our website, you can find us at makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things that we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And please, if you like the show, tell a friend, help us get the word out, and uh, leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, Timothy, for another great episode. Thank you. And yeah, see you guys next time. You didn't say, you didn't say bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.